wanted to talk about uh, review what we know about spider mites in corn and soybeans. And I'd like to acknowledge my co-authors here, uh, Julie Peterson at North Platte, Jeff Bradshaw at uh, Scotts Bluff, and I'm based in Lincoln. But we periodically have problems with spider mites in corn and soybeans. And given the looking at the drought monitor and the potential for a dry summer and spring, we thought it'd be useful to uh, review what we know about spider mites. So what we want to accomplish today is uh, learn to identify the spider mite species found in Nebraska corn and soybeans, talk about the conditions that favor outbreaks, and understand the management options for spider mites on corn and soybeans. So as Chris was sort of referring to at the beginning, uh, Spider mites are not insects. They're more closely related to ticks and spiders, uh, but entomologists end up talking about them usually. They're very small organisms. They have piercing, sucking mouth parts that they pierce individual plant cells. And because of that, you get initial damage patterns of spots where they've sucked out the juice from plant cells. And typically infestations are favored by drought stress and sometimes past pesticide use. There are environmental conditions that might favor them. So we have two different species in crops in Nebraska, or at least corn and soybeans. The Banks grass mite is only found on corn. The two-spotted spider mite has a very broad host range and can damage both corn and soybeans. So it's important to be able to identify or understand the appearance of these two species. On the left is the Banks grass mite it has uh, dark pin pigment spots that down the length of both sides of the body. The two-spotted spider mite, as suggested by its common name, has two spots on each side of pigment, uh, and the body tends to be more rounded than the Banks grass mite. Obviously, you need a hand lens or a microscope to identify uh, or see these characteristics. Some other characteristics to distinguish the two that we talked about host range is particularly important in terms of management. The Banks grass mite is only found on grassy crops, uh, particularly corn and sorghum. It can also be on some grassy weeds such as brome grass and field borders early in the season. Uh, in terms of webbing, the Banks grass, they both produce webbing, the Banks grass mite tends to produce less webbing than the two-spotted spider mite. We talked about in host range, the uh, two-spotted spider mite has a very broad host range, including corn, sorghum, soybeans, various fruits and vegetables and ornamentals. The Banks grass mite tends to occur earlier in the season and the two-spotted spider mite tends to occur as a mid to late season insect Although if the environmental conditions are right, we've had early season infestations of two-spotted spider mite some years. Some other differences, the Banks grass mite uh, typically starts on lower leaves and moves upward as the infestation grows. The two-spotted spider mite tends to be less localized on the plant. Uh, they can rapidly spread over the whole plant. 
And then overwintering location varies. Uh, again, the bank grass mite is restricted to grass crops. So it typically overwinters in crowns of winter meat, winter, winter wheat or native grasses. I mentioned maybe brome grass borders. Uh, Two-spotted spider mite often can be found in alfalfa or other broadleaf plants along crop field borders. And a big important factor relative to management is that the banks grass mite tends to be uh, more susceptible to common miticides than the two-spotted spider mite, which has developed resistance to some products and control is less consistent with uh, miticides. So looking particularly at corn, a key thing to look for on corn is knowing which species is present. Uh, some risk factors where we typically might see spider mite problems. If you have a, a sandy pivot or a sandy field that has uh, ten tendencies toward water stress, it may be on the borders or pivot corners or southern facing side of the field. Uh, also, if you have a history of using foliar insecticides in corn earlier in the season, maybe for western bean cutworm or western corn rootworm uh, silk clipping uh, uh, suppression, that may predispose the field to injury from spider mites and those are fields to certainly look at more carefully. The first thing you'll see with uh, typically with spider mite presence is damage to the lower leaves. And as I talked about, as they pierce and suck individual cells, you'll get yellow spots. You can see those from above, above uh, the plant, uh, the upper surface of the leaf, but you need to turn the leaf over and look on the underside and see if you can see webbing and live mites and see what uh, mite species is present. Uh, Something to be aware of is that, again, yellowing or, or uh, damage to lower leaves, discoloration of lower leaves can be caused by other things. A drought or disease can cause similar discoloration. So uh, don't make an assumption without finding live mites present. So, okay, if you have spider mites in corn, when do you need to treat? Uh, we have a rough economic threshold in corn if you can find visible damage in the lower third of the plant and live mite colonies present in the middle third, uh, that's probably a treatable level. Uh, we want to be sure to treat before mites get up to the ear leaf or above. That's where they start really causing economic damage if we have heavy pressure above the ear leaf. One thing to be aware of is that uh, typically once the hard dose stage or late R4 stage is reached, it's unlikely to, to have an economic benefit from treatment for spider mites. So moving on to soybean specific considerations. Again, in the case of soybean, we're only dealing with the two spotted spider mite. They overwinter outside the field. Uh, they first colonize the, the field on borders. So watch south facing edges or water stressed areas of the field early for early damage symptoms and mites. And we have seen spider mite uh, infestations as early as uh, June some years. Again, the damage causes yellow spots or stippling on the lower leaves. Uh, later, this can, as uh, the, the plant progresses, can turn brown and can uh, be confused with drought stress or disease symptoms as well. 
Uh, typically, it starts on the lower leaves and later moving up in the canopy. So again, some rough thresholds. If we have heavy stippling on the lower leaves with some damage in the middle canopy, and you can find mites reproducing and present in the middle canopy uh, and lower heavy damage in the lower part of the canopy, that's a treatable level in soybeans. So again, in soybeans, some of the damage can be confused with other things such as drought or foliar diseases. So be sure to check for the presence of mites. Uh, in some cases, if it's a localized infestation and, and you may be able to use a, a spot treatment, but be sure to scout uh, areas, especially downwind of where you find mites and see if they're beginning to colonize broader in the field, you may need to treat more than you think. Uh, late season infestations may accelerate soybean senescence and uh, pod shattering, but be, be aware if you're treating late in soybeans, be aware of the pre-harvest interval. A lot of the pesticides we might use have a 21 to 28 day pre-harvest interval, so we want to avoid coming up against that. So particularly with the two-spotted spider mite, which is more difficult to control with insecticides, and I'd say particularly in corn, a realistic goal is to try to slow the rate of population increase. You're not likely to totally eliminate them. And a key factor, again, particularly in corn, is that spider mites must come into contact with the miticides. And since mites are primarily found on the undersides of the leaf, uh, low volume applications may not be effective as higher volume applications. And as a general rule of thumb, we want to use probably at least three gallons per acre by air and 15 gallons per acre by ground. Uh, be sure to, again to read the label. Oftentimes products, the companies may have specific recommendations in terms of spray volume for their products. So you want to follow that. Uh, particularly by air applications may be more effective very, very early in the morning or late evening to avoid the uh, updrafts or uh, convection of hot air moving away from plants in the middle of the day. So we're going to review some available products. Uh, historically, we've used mostly organophosphates and pyrethroids, and those are still possibilities. Uh, so here's some some various active ingredients. And now we have some combination products, which are combinations of an organophosphate and pyrethroids. A key thing to be aware of with all of these products is they're not effective against eggs. Uh, so once you treat, it's important to scout again after the reentry interval and uh, check to see if uh, surviving eggs have hatched and reinfested the field. You may need to uh, retreat if there was a heavy mite egg load at the time you treat it. That's something to be aware of. The last 10 or 15 years, we've gotten a, a, a few more product options with different modes of action. Uh, some of these are labeled only on corn and some are only labeled on, on soybeans. A key thing to look at is that uh, they, they have different activity against different stages such as the abamectin and propargide are not active against eggs, but some of these newer products 
the uh, group 10B and 23 products do have activity against eggs, but they may or may not have activity against adults. So be aware of all these characteristics as you make product choices. And I guess the other thing to be aware of is some of these newer products may be more expensive than the older products. So another thing to, to be aware of is that we do have a lot of naturally occurring uh, biological controls that help us suppress uh, spider mites, including predatory mites, uh, a couple of different types of lady beetles. There are some predatory thrips. Minute pirate bugs are common predators in both corn and soybeans, and they can feed on both mites and aphids. They're very effective predators of those types of organisms. And if we have the right environmental conditions, uh, a cool wet period uh, can oftentimes reduce spider mite populations because it favors the fungal disease that can kill the spider mites. So again, the importance of biological controls is that earlier season insecticide or broad spectrum insecticide use may reduce these natural enemies and predispose the field for later problems with spider mites if environmental conditions are favorable for spider mites. And historically, we've seen this year in and year out is that oftentimes where we have spider mite problems in corn or soybeans uh, may be traced back to an earlier application of a broad spectrum insecticide that reduced the populations of these natural enemies. And we do use a lot of uh, products in corn and soybeans in July and earlier in August that may be targeting Western bean cutworm corn rootworm beetles, uh, soybean defoliators that could lead to mite flare-ups by removing the beneficial insects and allowing the pest to thrive if the environment is, is conducive. So some take-home points. It's important to identify the spider mite species, particularly in corn, because the management options differ depending on the species. Uh, and then as you're choosing a pesticide, uh, be aware of the activity of the particular products against different mite stages. Uh, and a case, in the case of those that don't have activity against eggs, uh, need to rescout after treatment to make sure a, a new infestation hasn't occurred from egg hatch. And a key thing, especially if we're going to have a, a dry spring and summer, try to avoid unnecessary broad spectrum insecticide applications earlier in the season, which may encourage later season spider mite outbreaks. And what I'm thinking about, you know, we have a lot of people are doing things nowadays where we're putting an insecticide with the fungicide application at tasseling, or maybe with the last herbicide application. And the justification is to clean up the field or to it, it costs relatively little to use some of our common insecticides. If you're already paying for the application, it seems like a good choice from an economic perspective, but not if you, not if you cause a problem later in the summer with spider mites, which are difficult to control. So just be thinking long-term and be thinking of the whole system as you make decisions this summer. <laughs>